Hello and welcome to the Trials and Triumph podcast. I'm your host, Michael Williams, and we're here to talk about faith, relationships, and how to live a more fulfilling life. So I wanted to do something a little bit different. Maybe you haven't seen this done much in a podcast format, but it dawned on me that it would be a really cool, fun experience for me to share a random fact about myself during each episode, probably most likely at the beginning. And I kind of see this as being a good opportunity to to start a conversation off the air where whether it's on the blog or through a text message or whatever that we can have random candid conversations about any of those particular topics that may be mentioned and so with that said I want to get your feedback on what you think about the idea in general and then if if you're all over it if you like it then we can definitely keep going with it Uh, I think it would be fun because I have a lot of quirks uh, that are weird, awkward, and just plain funny, uh, at least in my opinion. I think my quirks are funny, which is weird to say, but the first random fact about me is microwave cook time, when you go to throw something in the microwave and, and cook it for any length of time, for me... It has to be random numbers. I I can't do two minutes. I can't do two minutes and 20 seconds. It's got to be a minute and 47 or 239 or 41 seconds. It can't be 40. I've got to have the extra second in there. But on the flip side, when I'm dealing with turning up the volume on the TV or the radio, if it has numbers representing the volume... Those have to be either even numbers or intervals of five. So some would call that OCD. I don't think I'm really that bad. It's more of just a habit that I just press random buttons on the microwave and kind of go with it. But I don't know. I want to talk about fear today a little bit kind of following up on what we talked about in the first episode but just to bring a little bit of closure to the topic of fear and just to give you an idea of how scared I was doing the first episode right now I'm exponentially less scared than I was two weeks ago but at the same time I'm still very nervous there's the thought of still wondering how I'm being judged, how I'm being perceived. Uh, Is there somebody out there who is sitting there in the back of their heads? You know, I've done it before, unfortunately, where they're sitting there thinking, man, this guy sounds retarded, or man, what is he talking about? Whatever the case may be. And I know that to get rid of that thought process, a lot of that is just lies that I've told myself 
things that I've convinced myself other people are thinking, whether it's on this podcast or just in a general conversation, that I've convinced myself that people think those harsh thoughts about me because I've thought those harsh things about other people. Now, I know that you and I are similar in a lot of ways as it relates to fear because even though this podcast is probably not my biggest fear, we all share the commonality that there are things that we're just scared of. For me, it's it's kind of oxymoronic, but I'm scared to death of heights and will get sick to my stomach when I get on top of a 10-foot ladder or I get on top of a one-story house onto the roof. But at the same time, I want to go skydiving so that I can say that I've got that experience. I really don't understand the logic behind all of that. Uh, And I guess it really boils down to, am I ever really going to commit to jumping out of an airplane at however many thousand feet and actually do it? And similarly, there's things like rodents and bugs where, you know, I've probably picked up a worm before and I just don't remember it when I was much younger. Um, It's not something that I would be known to do now up until about two weeks ago when my almost two-year-old son, we found a little worm crawling up our driveway and he was pointing it out, squatting down, getting really close and And I decided, hey, here's an opportunity for me to face a fear that's pretty insignificant on the surface. But, you know, what what are the ramifications of me making that decision to just go for it? And so I picked up the, the worm. I held it in the palm of my hand, brought it up close to our son Judah, and lo and behold... On the other side of that experience, I realized, hey, that wasn't near as bad as I've made it out to be in my head. And even more dramatic of a scenario, it was back in 1993, I was seven years old. I would not, for the life of me, do what you're supposed to do when you go and go catch a fish and hook your thumb into the mouth of the fish. You know, I had about two feet worth of fishing line between my hand and the hook that was in the fish's mouth. I would, I just would not touch it. And finally, several years ago, in another similarly bold move, I decided, you know what, here's an opportunity. I'm going to take it. I'm going to grab the fish by the mouth, so to speak, And that's what I did. And much like the worm, I realized on the other side of that, it wasn't nearly as bad as I built it up into my head to be. As soon as I can find the picture, I will post it on my Instagram, a side-by-side shot of me in 93 holding a fish by the fishing line versus me in my late 20s holding the fish by the mouth the way that you're supposed to hold it. I'm not an expert in psychoanalysis or whatever the word is, but I feel like there is as close as you could possibly get 
to an equal significance or correlation between conquering your fears and realizing how not so bad it was that you thought it was going to be versus the implications on your life of missed opportunities because of fear. And if you've read anything in my blog, you've probably seen stories where I talk about about 12 years ago during my time working for a local Budweiser beer distributor where I eventually ended up after a back injury being moved into the office to do some clerical administrative whatever you want to call it work and quickly got bored with that thinking that There's something out there that's more fun, that's more interesting and intriguing, something that I can really sink my teeth into. And obviously, years later, I realize what that was setting me up for. Had I stayed, I could probably still be with that company or at least have been with that company for many years beyond that point. And become very successful and transitioned into a bigger opportunity than I've had to experience in the past so far. I'm sure there are some of you out there right now that were like me at 21 years old, realizing that life's too short, I'm too young to be taking things so seriously, I don't need to be jumping into a job where I want to see myself for the next two, five, ten plus years. I've got a lot of living to do. I'm old enough to drink now. I'm holding, hanging out with older people. And why should I take life so seriously? And my mentality at 21 years old, at the end of that time spent with this Budweiser distributor, that's where my head was. And I was just thinking that I had to get out of that before I got trapped and missed out on the fun that I thought life was going to offer me. And then it's pretty much the same with my fear personally of public speaking or speaking in front of a crowd or in front of a a group of people in general where... I don't like to be at the center of attention and thinking that I'm being critiqued right now and and that's not fun. And where that goes is that my fear of public speaking eventually developed into I am going to avoid putting myself in situations where I have to face that fear. And I've done that in other areas of my life. I know most of you have as well. And all that really does from what I've discovered over the past 10 plus years is that it just holds you back and it just prevents you from encountering the opportunities to jump past the slow growth rate that you normally experience when you get into your comfort zone and you get comfortable and you 
end up realizing that it's safer and easier and more comfortable to keep things the way they are than it is to say, just like Steve Jobs said in the Stanford address back in whatever year it was, 2005, I believe, where we're already naked. There's no reason for us not to do what we want to do or what we desire to do. And that leads me to a verse in the Bible, which I said in the beginning, in the first episode, you know, I I definitely don't want to alienate the people who are not Christians or Bible believers, uh, but I do want to share a verse from time to time that stands out that, that really relates to and speaks to the topics that we discuss and the verse in Proverbs chapter 16 verse 3 says commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans and I've read that verse every so often over the years and if you're a Christian if you if you're an avid Bible reader if if you love to study scripture you know as well as I do that the same verse means something different every time you read it over the course of your life and God is speaking to you through that verse in different ways based on your circumstances and based on where he wants to bring you and where he's brought you up to this point and for me I think of this verse where it says commit to the Lord whatever you do where as a Christian It's my desire to do things in my life that are intentional and pointed in the direction of things that honor God and things that point to Him. And then the second half of that verse, and He will establish your plans basically gives me the peace of mind of knowing that if I do what only I can do and if I serve him and follow his commands then he will reciprocate he will come back around bring that plan full circle and he will see that it comes to pass in your life and another verse kind of on vision if you want to talk about vision in the same book Proverbs 29 verse 18 it says where there is no vision the people perish and essentially you know that verse has told me different things at different times right now what I hear God telling me with Proverbs 29:18 is that I have to be intentional and in t- and the word intentional is a key word for me over the past six months or a year or so which ultimately intention and being intentional led to this blog coming and transitioning into this podcast and where I see this verse applying in my life is that I have to be vision minded and I have to be focused on okay, God, what is it that you want to do in my life? What do you want to do through me? And how can I best be open-handed, open hearts, open mind? How can I be completely 
used by you in order for you to fulfill your purpose in my life on this earth. So the story of my vision for doing this as it is today in the form of a podcast and a blog uh, really was born about 14 years ago, uh, back in 2004, and it ranged uh, probably the intensity of the focus for me uh, from the time that the vision came into my mind, into my heart, uh, until life kind of got in the way and I ended up getting busy and distracted. It was between 2004 and 2008. And around this time, I was a junior in high school, maybe late sophomore, finishing up that year, uh, going into the summer between my sophomore and junior year. And what I remember, there's a lot of holes in the time frame between 04 and 08, where there were intermittent spurts of focus and drive and desire and passion for this vision that I believe God put into my heart and where a lot of those holes ended up being placed in that timeline were where I guess the backbone of the vision the substance of why the vision is what it is was supported by the actions and the path and the direction that I personally chose to go in during those times where I wasn't as laser focused on figuring out what the vision was, what it was about, why me, why was I the person that had that thought, had that vision, had that image in my head, and where those holes ended up being I was filling those holes with time spent in what we called ISS or in school suspension uh, was predominantly the avenue that I spent my time in Uh, a lot of times it was you know a slap on the wrist or it was you know, just getting in trouble at home for doing something just utterly stupid, something that anybody with any sort of common sense would know, just don't do that kind of thing. Um, And so where I got in trouble for doing those types of things in school, you know, there was only so many times that they could send me to the principal's office and just tell me, you know, hey, you've got detention, hey, you you know, you don't need to be doing this, we're going to call your parents, blah, blah, blah. Eventually, they got to the point where in-school suspension was the next step, and they said, you know what, you need to spend some time in here, and maybe this will pull you away from the things that are feeding your need for attention or you're feeding your need for uh, whatever it is that's causing you to get into trouble in the first place. And looking back now, I really wish, and this is kind of my analytical mind working in overdrive, I kind of wish there was a way that I can see from a data perspective what percentage of time during high school that I spent in in school suspension versus actually being in class. And I 
would probably not be surprised at the high number of percentage of time that I spent in ISS. Um, but those times that I spent in suspension, I spent not even focusing on what they were hoping I would focus on, you know, because when you're in that type of isolation, what else can you really do other than just do what you got to do and get out of there as quickly as you can get out. But my time was spent looking around the room, comparing myself to the other people in the same situation that I was in. Most often they were put into in school suspension for things a little bit or quite a bit more worse, far worse than what I was in there for. I, I was never the person who was out drinking on campus or I wasn't the person who got busted for making fake IDs or using fake IDs. I was not the person who was what you would typically think of as somebody who you wonder, you know, are they going to make it in life? Like what what's their future look like? And and saying that now, obviously I hate to say that or or qualify people like that uh in such a negative light. I'm I'm a lot more optimistic, hopeful, uh positive outlook with people that are going through hard times and you know, I tend to see them as, you know, if they just have a light bulb moment like I did or a hundred light bulb moments like I did and, and they actually at some point in that time do something about it intentionally and with that laser focus and and with a sense of passion that they can drive themselves out of that lifestyle of I don't care I'm going to do what I'm going to do, it is what it is, whatever you want to call it, and bring themselves into or allow God to bring themselves into a place where they have a greater sense of purpose and they have a, a, a sense of meaning in their life that they can chase after. My relationships in high school were spotty, I guess you could say. They didn't contain a whole lot of depth but then I almost wonder sometimes as an adult what relationships really did have enough depth in times like high school where they actually outlasted the season that you were in and you ended up making those friends that were lifelong friends that you look back and and man, you've just known each other for decades after a while. That's not to say that I didn't have any of those meaningful relationships. Some of them were so deeply ingrained and so impactful to my life. And yes, pretty much all of the relationships that I've formed in middle school or in high school in that season of my life those friendships aren't those friendships anymore. Uh, There's some that maybe a handful at best that I still will talk to. I still will 
see on occasion and you know hey we know each other from high school and and that's awesome and you know there's no bad terms there's no bad vibes or anything like that it's just you know time distance circumstances we just kind of went our own way and and that's kind of the nature of the beast but it's not like you see in tv obviously where you know boy meets world style you know you've known each other since you were in diapers and guess what you're still best friends 20 30 plus years later and everything is all awesome most of the relationships that i had that had any sort of significance were those friendships that came out of being in church uh, we grew up in such a small town and, and there was one Methodist church and and there was only, you know, I don't want to sit here and literally try to guess how many people were typically in attendance on a Sunday. But I, if I had to guess off the top of my head, I'm thinking 100 or 150 people. And out of that 150, you're looking at maybe 20 or 30 people within the youth group that we attended on a weekly basis and if you want to go even further out of that 20 to 30 people there was maybe only five people in the entire youth group over the course of those few years that I spent there that I actually connected with in a deep enough way that it meant anything and we had our fun in church youth group was fun there were some interesting things that we got involved in I'm not discounting the value of of the experiences that I personally had in my time at 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 a youth group a function but overall church as a whole for me wasn't ever really what I would call fun it wasn't ever anything that I would consider beneficial but I do want to kind of clarify that because what I want to say is is that my upbringing inside the church over the course of the first 20 years of my life that I would say I got the most impact as a child of my parents and living with my parents and and this that and the other is I think it was just the church being in the background kind of like background noise in my life you know always you know being in church always hearing the sermons and and hearing about scripture hearing the bible stories and all of that that underlying presence of church in my life i think is what probably saved my life in the long run because if it weren't for those subtle hints of God wanting a relationship with me, whether I realized it or not, I probably would not be where I am today. I'm almost, I'm hesitant to say it, but I'm almost sensing that it's probably a guarantee that I wouldn't be who I am today. What was really a blessing in the time that I spent in church especially those last few years before I finally kind of gave up in a sense on caring about 
the development of my faith, the development of my relationship with God, uh, what we had at the church I grew up in, as I'm sure there's plenty of churches out there like this, we had a ministry that broadcast the church services on the local cable network, and so in addition to having somebody there for the Sunday service who would be running sound, mixing the sound for the service in-house, we also had a separate booth inside the church to monitor and produce the video and the audio for what was being broadcast out into the cable network. And I got involved in that at some point and not really having any idea that I had an interest in audio visual production. I was pleasantly surprised when I got involved and just completely became immersed in the world of AV production and it was like God was telling me this is this is where I want you and and it it gave me my first real sense that I had a purpose in this world that was bigger than something that I could dream up on my own and had it not been for that divine intervention if you want to call it that at that particular moment in my life I imagine I would have probably walked away from the church a lot sooner and instead being involved in that I ended up over the course of several years finding myself more and more captivated by this concept of purpose and calling and destiny if you want to use that word I don't, I don't know why I have a uh, such a discomfort for the word destiny it, it sounds a little bit too sci-fi to me I guess but eventually being involved in the production team at my church began to kind of shape my mindset from thinking that everything was just kind of random and and you know things just happen the way they happen and there there's not a whole lot of order to it I started to see that in order for this church service production to go out into the homes of those that watched the church service there was a lot of intentional production steps that were taken in order to get it from just videotaping somebody talking to adding the music, mixing the music, putting titles on the screen, so on and so forth. And over time, I began to think of it at, for what it was as a production and, and seeing that that production created a quote-unquote brand image, I guess, for the church that we were a part of. And that brand image was what allowed the church to continually bring people back every Sunday to watch that service every Sunday. And 
whether or not they actually tracked the metrics and, and understood that, you know, we have this many repeat viewers or if they even went that far in such a small town. I don't really know that. I, I, I actually might end up asking somebody just now out of humor, humoring my curiosity. But it just amazes me that before that moment in my life, I never had any sense that you could intentionally craft something that you're doing with intentionality and go forward with it and it actually lead somewhere worth leading to. So if we fast forward a few years, we're at 2008 and I had just met Hannah who I would eventually, after a few years of dating, would end up marrying. We date for a while before I move up to Northeast Georgia and I get involved in the church that she was attending and this church is very large compared to what I've always grown up being accustomed to and it's apparent to me with all of the cameras, all of the video equipment, the big screens, you name it, that this is so much bigger than anything I've ever experienced in the audiovisual production world and I realize how much of a rock I've been living under to have not imagined what I had ended up doing back at my home church at this large of a scale and so that was another seed that was planted in my head that eventually became the name Love in the Fire, which I kind of painted it out to be a picture of love in the fire of life where you are becoming the person that God wants you to be in the midst of the trials and triumphs to play on the name of this podcast that you experience in life and and I just thought, I mean, I was blown away at the fact that my mind had expanded to fill that gap of how great of a purpose that this could be and become fulfilled by branding it and by coming up with a name and painting a picture and intentionally drawing it out to be bigger than just a simple idea in my head. And in the end, what Love in the Fire ended up being, you know, I had no idea what I was really doing. It basically just wound up being a fancy text on a fancy picture background of the skyline of Atlanta, and it had a purple hue over the picture with a if I remember correctly, it had a, a creepy goth-looking female picture in the foreground of the skyline of Atlanta, and it just looked dark and depressing, and and I thought it was edgy and cool, and and it just kind of goes to show me that I didn't really have a solid plan for taking it from this logo, this image, this brand name, whatever you want to call it, and really fleshing it out 
to something worthy of what you would say would be fulfilling my purpose, what God calls me to do in this life. And what ended up happening over the course of the past 10 years, or probably for the eight years following this uh, Love in the Fire brand, is that if anybody ever was friends with me on Facebook or any other social media platform for any length of time, saw that I went in and out from idea to idea over the course of those eight years where I latched on to something that I thought, hey, this is the next phase of of me fulfilling my purpose or God doing something in my life to bring me closer to where he wants me to be. And what it ended up amounting to was there was never any firm, lasting commitment after the idea phase, much like it was with Love in the Fire. Until about two years ago, or a year and a half ago, in 2016, 2017, circumstances over time, a lot of things coming together ultimately led me to just this past March, a year ago, in 2017, to start what you know as Entree Journey, the blog, and it was an it was an outlet for me to begin sharing my story, but the difference between Entree Journey in March of 2017 and Love in the Fire in 2008, nine years prior is that commitment and that understanding that, you know, this is not, I can't prematurely jump into something thinking that God is going to take up the, the muscle and, and take up the, the workload and, and whatever you want to call it. And I'm just here as the, the vessel and technically, if you want to get scriptural about it, I mean, we're the vessel, we're the vehicle that God works through to fulfill his purposes here on this earth. But for me to just say that, oh, hey, here's an idea, you probably gave it to me because you give us the thoughts that we have for the most part. And so here it is, here you go, take it and run with it, God the end, you know, call me if you need me, and and it's kind of like, I had that, that immature mindset, I had that ill-informed mindset, which is why no, nothing that I ever really did succeeded, and, and it wasn't until Entree Journey where I ended up realizing that I have to give it my all, and I have to put all of my faith and trust in God that that I believe God put me in this situation because he's got something in this journey to fulfill and I have to be faithful enough to say I will go I will honor your calling and you do what I can't do in this scenario and 
we're just going to see what happens. And when we're going to have faith that what I am doing is what you were calling me to do. And that's a scary and uncertain thing, but it also goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of this episode about Proverbs 16.3, where it says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and He will establish your plans. And when I really think long and hard about that verse and the application of that verse to my life, not just now, but my life leading up to now, I realized the mistake that I made. I realized where I went wrong personally as it related to trying to be a good steward of what God is calling me to do. And that is, is that I did not commit what I was doing because I was so hung up on trying to do the good thing and do the big cool thing because nobody I ever knew growing up was entrepreneurial or nobody I ever knew was interested in you know having a podcast or having a website or having a whatever you want to say or call it and I thought it was cool. I thought I was cool because, hey, I wanted to do this big thing that nobody ever thought of doing. And, and you know, it just ultimately ended up being that I was so selfishly focused on me that God couldn't do what he wanted to do through me because of me being focused on me. So over the course of the past year since Entree Journey was first launched through God's good graces, I believe that he has been laying that firm foundation through the commitment that I made to the Lord that whatever I do, I will commit it to him And he will, just as he's doing right now, I firmly believe he is establishing my plans through the way of his his will. And what ends up happening with Entree Journey, the blog, or Trials and Triumph, the podcast, or Michael Williams, the entrepreneur, the steward, the faithful servant of God, whatever you want to say it, it is, whatever happens... It's going to be what God wants to happen. And so I keep that reminder of committing to the Lord whatever I do. He will establish my plans. And that ultimately, as an application for you, it just leads me to the simple question of, and I say simple very, very lightheartedly, what do you have in your heart to do with your life and what role does fear play in that vision because ultimately fear and the lack of preparation on my end in my situation is what held me back from ever getting ahead in my purpose in life faster and so Again, to ask you the question, what's in your heart? What do you feel that God is calling you to do? Or if you're not a believer, that's okay too. What 
what do you feel like you were put on this earth to do? And based on that answer, what's holding you back? What role does fear play in that vision of fulfilling your purpose in life? And with all of that being said, that is pretty much exactly what I had to cover in this week's episode of Trials and Triumph. Thank you for those of you who are joining me, who have checked out the first episode and have come back for more. I really personally hope that you've enjoyed this episode. It will definitely get better with each episode and I hope that you will stick around with me uh, each time that we launch an episode to continue the conversation and I would love to hear from you. Uh, You can always comment on Entree Journey's website Uh, The blog post we'll have for this episode will have show notes where I will include the two pieces of scripture that I talked about and a few other resources uh, related to the topic today. And if you have any comments, questions, concerns, whatever, if you want to leave those in the comments, I'll have the link in my bio and on Instagram. You can follow me there at underscore Michael WMS and on Twitter as well at the same uh, username and until the next episode I hope that something I said has resonated with you and that it allows you to light a fire in your heart to go out and do something big with your life so until next time thank you for listening to Trials and Triumphs